Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Ireland's government is now considering the use of rapid COVID-19 tests at airports to boost tourism. Tourism is snookered, really and truly. Having studied testing regimes in Australia, or Austria, should I say, Greece and other countries, the Irish government is considering the implementation of a rapid coronavirus test at airports when hotels reopen in a bid to boost tourism. The Sunday Times reporter uh, reported that Junior Tourism Minister Brendan Griffin has said that the Department of Transport, Tourism and Sport are considering this move as an alternative to the 14-day co- uh, imposed quarantine. Uh, of course, if you test positive, you'd be whipped off up to City West or somewhere. Uh, Griffin told the Times... I think there is a merit in examining testing at the points of entry that is happening in other countries to see if it could be applicable here. I have asked officials to advise us what their options might be, continue this exploratory, uh, but it will be an all-around win if it provides reassurance to potential domestic holidaymakers and host communities, as well as overseas visitors, that people in tourist areas are not carrying the COVID-19 infection. Now, last week, figures released by the Central Statistics Office, CSO, show that a number of overseas tourists visiting Ireland has almost totally collapsed during the pandemic, with just over 16,000 people travelling through the country's ports and airports in April, less than 1% of the normal figure. It's down by 99%. As social restrictions in Ireland begin to ease, um, opposition pol- political parties, along with trade groups, have stepped up their campaign to speed up the reopening process. Now, at the moment, 99% drop in tourism is not a big deal because the country is on hold, um, so to speak. Our economy is on hold. But when we get into a recession, which is probably going to be September, if we insist on carrying these restrictions forward past the opening of this country, which should be before the end of July, we are going to destroy our economy. Let's be clear about that. And not only will we destroy our economy, but you will be prisoners in your own country. Essentially, you will have to quarantine or you will have to go through a test. And Leo Varadkar said today that the government won't be paying for these tests, that you will. So if you're going away on holidays, first thing you'll have to factor in is if you're going away for a week, you'll need three weeks because you'll need two weeks to quarantine. The second thing you're now going to have to factor in is that when you come back and probably when you go to your host country, be it the UK, America or Spain or wherever it happens to be, you will probably have to pay there as well. And they might charge €200 Euro as well. So you're going to have to factor in maybe €400 Euro per person for testing in each of those countries. This is just going to get... This is going to destroy tourism worldwide. The aviation industry will be on its knees. It'll be gone. We'll be going nowhere. We're going back to the 1940s here. I'm telling you. And people really are not looking at the bigger picture here. This new normal is going to destroy a lot of people's lives. You're going to have despair, poverty... And as we all know, wealth and health are intrinsically linked. And I don't know what has happened to the people of Ireland. I understand. I'm not a denier by any stretch of the imagination. I understand more than anybody because we talked about it for two hours the other day. The amount of people who I believed unnecessarily died in this country because the government didn't put protections in place for the right people who are really at risk of this virus. The ones who were in the nursing homes, the ones who were in care homes and those who are elderly. We didn't protect them. But we have socially conditioned a nation not to complain. We now believe everything we're being told. We now absolutely just accept every instruction we're being given. And that is not the Ireland I remember. We used to question things. Even in the media, when I listen across the media, with the exception of myself, and I don't mind giving him a plug, Ivan Yates, I think is a great presenter. There are very few people in the media actually challenging and questioning anything the government is saying at the moment. 
It's as if we all have to just go along with it because they must be right. Remember, this is a caretaker government. They're not even elected. Leo Varadkar, the leader of this country, barely got in by the skin of his teeth. And behind the scenes, they're trying to form a government that you didn't even vote for. So they're passing on these messages to us. And only today, Simon Harris throws out a little bit of negative news about the or not, which I don't believe for a minute when we're watching the cases drop. And the reason for throwing this negative bad news, I'm convinced they have a psychologist working with them. Listen, lads, it's coming up to the second phase, all right? They all think they're being good boys and girls. Let's treat them like infants again. Throw out a bit of bad news. That way, when you do give them the good news on Monday, they'll think you're great. Hmm? I'm convinced that's the way it's working. It happened the last two times as well. And then do you remember that psychological language the last when we came up to the, the first phase? If you if you kind of misbehave, you won't be getting the first phase. That was the kind of language that was used. If you don't do it, you're told. We're coming, we're coming a little bit complacent now. At this stage, and I listened to what that professor in the UK said and stated about the person, the theoretical person who walks around Tesco's at 40 years of age with a mask, terrified that she might get COVID-19. This theoretical woman. That statistically, statistically, she has more chance of dying in her car on the way to Tesco's than she has of getting COVID-19 at that age in good health, walking around Tesco's with her mask on her. Statistically, you have more chance of being in a car crash under the age of 65 and killing yourself. But we don't ban cars from the road. We have to have trade-offs in life. There is a risk to people in risk categories. And yes, every penny we we have spare should be spent to reduce that risk. But Ireland seems to be taking this more seriously than any other country. And yet, by the way, don't be clapping ourselves on the back. We have just as much, if not more, debts than most other countries per million and per head of population. So we haven't done exceptionally well. This virus is out there to kill a certain amount of people. Just like, and I'm not comparing it to, just like influenza every single year. 2017, 2018, we had a really bad influenza season. Influenza can kill anywhere between 500,000 to 800,000 people in a year. So far, COVID-19 has killed, what, I think 300,000 people? And we're already halfway into the year. I'm not comparing it to the flu, because we know the COVID-19 spreads quicker. We can see that in places like Manhattan and London and Birmingham, places like that in large cities. We can see how quickly it spreads. But ultimately, it seems to take, sadly, the same amount of people. The mortality rate was advertised at the start by the WHO and by most governments of the world as 5%. We were given doomsday figures of hundreds of thousands people dying in each country. Tens of thousands here in Ireland. It didn't happen. Thankfully, it didn't happen. All those figures in the UK, 500,000 people were going to die. By the same professor, by the way, who had his mistress over in the middle of the night. We have a government who are flip-flopping from side to side and the hypocrisy is outrageous. They tell you to do one thing, but then commend people for doing the opposite. Same with the UK. You had a government today who are commending the protesters who were out yesterday. None of them social distancing. Protesters here last week, none of them social distancing. A Taoiseach who, by his own words and his own secretary and his own spokesperson, told us not to have a picnic, went out and had a picnic. A man who should be setting an example higher than the standards that he sets for us. A Taoiseach who rarely appears in the media at the moment, only when he has a speech to say. I know he was on RTE, somebody mentioned it today. But rarely appears. We see Boris Johnson nearly every second day. We see Doris, uh, Doris Trump, I was going to say, might as well be. We see Donald Trump every second day, or every day at least at this stage. 
Other world leaders are out every day. Where's Leo? We see him only when he's delivering either the good news or the bad news. Getting back to what I was talking about. Last week, figures by the CSO show the number of overseas tourists visiting Ireland has almost dropped to 1%. As social restrictions in Ireland begin to ease, but they won't ease forever. Obviously, we have to keep our distance and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, opposition po- political parties along with trade union groups have stepped up their campaign to speed up the reopening. And Griffin said that Department of Tourism is liaising with the Department of Health to see if there's a scope for any progress. However, last week, when asked about the, possi- pardon me, the possibility of reopening Shannon Airport to facilitate flights from Europe via Shannon, onto the United States. Tisha Gleavraga said this would take months, months, rather than weeks. He said, we currently have a 14-day quarantine period for people coming into Ireland. Uh, we would like to get to a point at some stage in the future, I'm talking about months rather than weeks, when we can lift that quarantine requirement if people are flying to and from another country uh, where the virus has been successfully suppressed. That's not going to happen. It's ne- I mean, if you listen to some of the best experts in the world, and there's so many different opinions around, the virus may never be successfully suppressed all over the world. It may be like influenza and stays with us. Influenza's around since World War I. The swine flu is around since 1976. SARS is around for the last 15 years. Bird flu has been around for the last 10 or 15 years. All these viruses stay with us for many years. So is he suggesting for the amount of time this virus stays with us, we're never going to have tourism in this country because we'll have a quarantine and nobody's going to bother coming here? Currently in Austria and Greece, who both impose a 14-day quarantine period and upon arrival, they have uh, introduced testing, which will allow travellers to bypass this. But you have to pay for your own testing, of course. In Greece, travellers can get throat swabs at airports and then spend 24 hours in a dedicated quarantine room to await the results. So when you go in, would you be bothered? Go on your holidays to Greece and you have to sit in a room for 24 hours and wait for your test and sleep on a floor somewhere. In Austria, travellers can pay you 190 for a COVID-19 uh, polymerase chain reaction PSR test at airports. Uh, they must only wait three hours for the results before moving on if the test is negative. Even that is a lot. Political correspondent Hugh O'Connell tweeted earlier on today, the government will examine carrying out COVID-19 testing at airports and ports, but said a two, it's a €200 Euro a go and the person has to pay for it, according to the Taoiseach. Now, do you think it's a good idea for people travelling to Ireland that they should have to pay for a COVID test or they should have to go into quarantine? Or do you think it will just kill tourism and that we should just take our chances? Let me know what you think. Would you agree with a COVID test when travelling to Ireland that passengers should actually have to pay for? So you have to factor it into the cost of your flight. So you may have to factor in 400, realistically, if you're going to a destination that will also charge you. Let me know what you think. Is it a good idea? Or do you pay enough tax in this country and the government should pay for it? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 188 That's 087-188-008. Stephen, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Stephen? God, no, I was getting worried there. I thought your blood pressure was going up and up. It was. I, I'm starting to sweat here. Maybe I have COVID. <laughs> Hopefully not. But uh, what, what you were saying earlier, actually, just before we go into this, about uh, wearing masks during sex, maybe they're talking about them putting them over your eyes. Well, or other bits of your body. Well, exactly. It's throwing a pair of handcuffs well, and away you go. But isn't it, what are, I mean, the, the stories are getting sillier. Because if you're having sex, I don't want to get into this too much now at the moment, we can talk about it later, but if you're having, not me and you personally, obviously, but if you're having sex... <laughs> Thanks for the offer, Niall. <laughs> if you're having sex, you're exchanging bodily fluids anyway. Do you know what I mean? Or, and, yeah. and even if you're wearing a condom, you know, you're sweating on each other. So. I, it's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
It's, let's not even discuss. You that's more fun that's the front page. It's the front page of the New York Post. I swear to God, couples should wear face masks during sex, according to a new study. I'm curious how they did the study. <laughs> I don't know. Do they have to get subjects who are COVID nineteen positive? To have a go on somebody with a mask and without a mask and see what the results were. I don't, I just don't know how they got around that. But anyway, look, getting back to the original, get back to this topic. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, realistically, if the government continues this line of restrictions after the phases are finished, let's just say we bring our phases forward to July, right? And, you know, from July onwards, we say, that's grand, phases are over, you can all go back to work, but you're not allowed to leave the country because if you do, you have to quarantine for 14 days or pay 200 euro for a test or whatever it happens to be. The same people coming on holidays here. Should we can kiss or ask about tourism? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a trade-off. And one thing on a, on a personal note I find particularly annoying is when you're told to do something and then you see the people who tell you to do something are doing something else. I mean, just over six weeks ago, I buried my mum and we obeyed everything. We only had 10 at the funeral. And that was obviously very difficult, as well as the obviously the funeral and, and losing the parents, etc. And my uh, condolences to you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah but I mean, just, just mention that because, I mean, it does annoy me then when you see people doing do, doing things that they tell us they shouldn't. Now, um, looking at the, the Austria situation, I think is not a bad idea, apart from the charge. It's three hours. Greece is slightly different. You could live in, with three hours. It's like a connecting flight kind of thing. Yeah, you could live with that. Yeah, Greece is slightly different in that if you test negative, sorry, if you, the test you have to spend 24 hours, and if you test negative, you have to spend seven days in quarantine, but if you test positive, you have to spend 14 days. But that's yeah, only You know what the Irish 14. suggestion was, by the way, that if you test positive, you're shipped over to City West. Yeah, uh, just, you have a free holiday then, maybe. Well, but the uh, thing about it is, it's like in jailing people, you know what I mean? I mean, you imagine an American tourist coming here on holidays and just happens to test positive, didn't even really realise he had it, and off he's sent to City West for two weeks before he goes home. Now, Iceland are doing it for two week, next two weeks, so they're not charging anyone. They're doing it as, a, as an experiment. Because if you think about it, someone coming into the country, they are going to be spending money in the economy. And 65% of people employed in this country are in small and medium enterprises. They're the B&Bs, they're the small guest houses, they're the hotels. And these are the very people who need the money. But maybe we should be looking at it a different way. When you travel to the States, when you leave Dublin or Shannon, you can get pre-cleared um, immigration to the States. So maybe have the suggestion that rather than arriving in Dublin and waiting, as they do in Austria, if you arrive in Austria and have had a test within the last four days that shows you are clear, you're allowed to come into the country. But the argument then from the, the naysayers would be, well, in that four days you may have picked it up. Yeah, well, it has to be a compromise. They, Austria does it for within four days, and I think that's, that, that, that's reasonable. Yes, of course. But your own government... You can walk down the street and get it. You can absolutely absolutely hit by a car. Look, when the Bulgarians came... When, 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 when the Bulgarians came in there about three or four weeks ago, the fruit pickers, right? So mm. the government's argument at the time was it wasn't a big deal because the amount of people who bring it in and they, they had measured it was only something like 1% of the cases was actually coming across through the airport. So it was, you know, it was inconsequential. Uh, so realistically, so why, why are they suddenly now getting concerned about it? I know. I mean, the realistically is if you're fr- flying to Ireland to visit somewhere and you're told that without the test, you're going to have to spend 14 days in quarantine, you're not going to come anyway. But uh, see, now we're missing. The, the biggest thing that we're missing here is, right, that, and I hear this argument all the time, that every time I say something on Twitter in relation to this, because people know my feelings on it at this stage, right? I, I played the game for a good while there, right? But now I'm looking at all the science and we have to look at science and data and from figures around the world, et cetera, et cetera. And people say to me, oh, well, I've got a, a vulnerable mother, you know, so we can't lift the lockdown because then people go back out into society, spread the virus, and my mother could get it. And I'm saying, well, hold on for a second. 
those people who are vulnerable, we should be protected. We should have protected them from the very start, be they in care homes or the elderly who feel they're at risk, right, who are maybe not that healthy, right? They're the ones who need protection. But why are we locking up the rest of the world who are really and truly at this stage we've established they're not really at risk? Some are going to, I mean, we are going to lose people. There's no doubt about that. But this idea that I heard a politician saying, you know, to continue a lockdown because if it saves one life, it's worth it. It's not worth it because the lockdown invariably costs more lives. Oh, I agree. I mean, the same logic will be we ban cars, we, 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 we ban well, flights. Yeah. I think a better way of looking at the lockdown is I, I, I think we did stuff originally correctly. Yes, but I I'm, mean, not, I'm not uh, disagreeing with the original plan, of and, course. And, and we didn't know, a lot of countries, to be fair, didn't know what exactly was going to happen or, or what was going to hit them. But like, there are doctors like economists, you ask two of them a question, you get three different answers. I mean, you could ask different experts and get the answer that you want. I think a different way of looking at easing the lockdown is doing it on an age basis. Now, if you are suffering from cystic fibrosis or have another disease, that, that, that's different. Of course. But if you're a healthy... 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old. That's different to a... a but you, yeah, but you can not turn around tomorrow. And I know there was a suggestion in the UK at one stage that they let people back to work in increments according to age. But that was ruled out because of ageism. I mean, you can turn around and say, listen, everybody under the age of 65, realistically, you have more chance of being killed in a car crash. So you can go ahead and go to work and office, go back out into society and live your lives. Anybody over that age, we'd rather you didn't. That, that's kind of ageism. You have well, to allow people to make their own choices. But we really do that with driving licences. If you're over 70, you have to have a test every three years. If you're under 70, it's every 10 years. There's a difference in driving licences and walking around the streets now, in fairness. But there is a difference in age. So it's not necessarily age, it's reality. Yeah, yeah, but you can't, yeah, but you can't take away somebody's liberty based on their age. You can't, I mean, you could, you can take away their freedom to drive a car because obviously they're putting other people's lives in danger. But you can't take away their own personal liberty based on their age. Well, the compromise for that is you issue guidelines and you say, Absolutely. if you're over 70, you are more likely to get, and I think most reasonable people would, would want to protect their parents, their grandparents, yes. their uncles, whatever. But if you do choose, you can't legislate against people's stupidity either. We're not a police state. Well, 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 well we are a police state right now. We are. No, that's a good, yeah, well, that's a good point as well, yes. Right now um, we are a police state, but that can continue. And it surprises me. It really does surprise me. Now, as I said to you, you know, I accepted this in the start, uncharted territory. The WHO were putting out stuff like that. It was a 5% mortality rate at the start. And everybody, you know, we all didn't know, of course, because we're not all scientists. Um, but now more information is coming in. We're seeing data from around the world. We know now the mortality rate is not anywhere close to 5%. It's complete, a lot lower than that. It's actually less. They reckon less than half than half 1%, right? So realistically, it's like... We've had many viruses in the world over the last God knows how many years. I heard a politician comparing it to TB on the radio recently. It's nothing like TB killed 50% of the people that actually contracted it. And even then, you heard Aileen, who's 91, was on the air today, and she was alive when TB uh, obviously was around at the time, back in the 1930s. And she said, we brought in this legislation, which we're, we're currently using under the Constitution, the emergency legislation, to basically, if we saw somebody sniffling and coughing out on the streets, it gave the guards the right at the time to take that person and put them in quarantine because they were sick. But now we're using that same legislation to take healthy people and say, you can't go out either. I think a key phrase you said there a moment ago was data from other countries. That is what we should be looking at. Now, I have noticed both this week in Israel and in, and in Japan, they've had a slight increase in cases and they're monitoring it. But we're going to get of course sp- spikes. So 
So, but, you, but we get we, with influenza, we get spikes every single year, and every year is different. And I'm not, again, I'm not comparing it. I'm just saying with influenza, which we've dealt with for the last 100 years, some years are bad, other years are not too bad. 2017, 2018 was a drastic year in this country. We had the, the hospitals were under a huge amount of pressure. They were begging the government to do something, give them more ventilators because the amount of people who had pneumonia from influenza, the government did nothing about it. Now the hospitals are empty. Oh, I know. Absolutely, we have. I mean, the, the, the numbers of people waiting on, on trolleys has just completely disappeared. Yep, and people there's nobody in the woods either. That's going to cause more. Are you afraid that's going to cause more? I mean, nobody. I speak to them. I haven't gone to hospital. I have a pain in my leg or my head or something. That's dangerous. But that's but that's happening all over the world. Spoke to a friend who lives in Atlanta today, and he was telling me that the biggest private hospital they have over there. Can you mention the name of it? Um, they've lost 180 million dollars in the last two months. And he said his daughter-in-law worked in the hospital. She's lost her job. Uh, she can't get a job anywhere. They're all these private hospitals are on the verge of close down because nobody is going to hospital. People are afraid. So you don't even hear people saying, I have a bit of a cold anymore because they're afraid to open their trap. I agree. And we, we're losing with well, the 40,000 operations should have been hand, handled in the private hospitals. That hasn't happened. We have all the screening programs, breast screening. Even I'm, I'm due to get screening every year for my eyes because I have diabetes. That's being cancelled. Mm-hmm. I'm seriously concerned about the, the, the people, are gonna, people are going to be hurt more Absolutely. carrying out these than, than there will be. Well, would they, well, that, I mean, well, that's unquantifiable deaths, unfortunately. And, and in England, they've quantified it at 50,000 people per six months. Well, we'll probably find out in six months' time or a year's time because um, statisticians, statisticians already looked at, say, RIP over the last number of years. And there's an average number of people who pass away every year. During the initial peak of COVID in most countries, you could see the equivalent going up. And next year, if there's not COVID deaths, we'll probably see a higher number. Therefore, we will know how many have died, unfortunately, because they've been denied or they were afraid to seek out health care. But sure, have we learned nothing in this country when it comes to cervical check? We just spent three years or two and a half years, uh, obviously, after Vicky Phelan uh, you know, released the information that she wasn't meant to release at the start, but thankfully she did. Um, and Tony Holohan, by the way, at the time, told uh, the government not to respond to that particular situation when she came out of court that day. But in that, have we not learned anything from the cervical check? And that's no, I don't think we have. I think, think unfortunately, next year we're going to learn a lot. I think the HSE did a lot of stuff right, but I also think they've done a lot of stuff wrong. And more importantly, I think they've known they've, stuff, they've done stuff wrong and haven't changed. We can all make mistakes, but we yeah, can no, learn right. from it. Well, well, this, well see, now here we go, right? You're talking about mistakes, right? And I accept that governments can make mistakes, particularly when we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before, right? We make mistakes at the very start of this. As somebody rightly says, you're so great at ranting about the government, maybe you should be in charge. You were ranting before the lockdown about what should be done, and now you're ranting about after it, and hindsight is a great thing, isn't it? It is a great thing. And yes, I was ranting at the start of it, the opposite way around, but like everybody else, we knew nothing about it. Now we know a lot more about it. Now we can see data from around the world. So why can't the government see that data? Why can't the government say, well, hold on for a second, only 30, whatever it is, people, our tests came back positive today. Um, Only, I think it was five people, People die today. Uh, condolences to all their family. You know, 90 people die in this country every single day. 4,000 people a year die of respiratory problems in this country. And many of those due to the flu, by the way. Um, and, you know, when we look at statistics around this world, the majority of people who die in this country die of cancer, by the way. And um, when we look at those sort of statistics, we have to say that, unfortunately, there's a trade-off in life that as human beings, we take a risk every time we walk out the door. And and, oh, I, I and this is just another unfortunate risk that human beings are going to have to deal with. We also think of four or five counties now that haven't had a new case in over 10 days. So maybe we should also be looking at a regional um, 
unlock quicker for some maybe, counties. Maybe, okay. Well, we'll stay there for a second. Let me go to Joseph as well. Joseph, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Joseph? Hi, Niall. How are you? Joseph, do you agree? Well, I don't even need to ask you. Do you agree with a quarantine period or even testing? Look, having uh, to pay for testing at airports? Uh, the lockdown should be ended immediately. The government, the only right the government have is to tell you, look, if you're vulnerable and you go out, you could die. We are either free or we're not. And this virus, I said at the start, yep, it was it was a biological weapon, and I was afraid of it at the start. But as the media were hyping it up, my fear of it was going down to zero. I have no fear of it. Why are healthy people being locked in their houses or regional lockdowns, basically imprisonment, and falsely imprisonment? Well, I think, I think at the start, Joseph, and we talked about this at the start, I think... Yes, I, I, I understand. I understand it's very difficult to have your liberty taken away from you. But the the idea was not just to protect you; it was to protect yeah. you and other people. Yeah, but here now, here's now, Niall, the government is abusing their power. This lockdown has destroyed businesses, has destroyed people's mm-hmm. mental health. Even RTE, as big a propaganda as they are and liars that they are, they had an old guy on the talking on. Uh, he was over in Mayo. They were out the first day of the sunshine. And your man said, the old guy was just saying, uh, all the people that were in lockdown, they've aged unbelievably. They have, actually, seen yeah. Them last. Yeah. yeah. This is shocking abuse. Un- the abuse of power here is just, but I, I, I'm just amazed people are flapping down. But the media have terrorised people. RTE have, are responsible for a lot of terrorism here. I'm going to call it what it is. They've terrorised people. Well, they've frightened people, is what you're saying. They've no, put no, fear into people. They've terrorised people, Niall. Only people who are starting to use their brains a small bit and are realising, hang on a minute, because uh, I'm talking to a lot of people about this, and it's kind of splitting down to 50-50. You know who's terrorised and who's believing the propaganda? The mask people. In fairness, Joseph, many people who wear masks are not just people who are virtue signalling or, or terrified. Uh, they're, they're, also, they're, there are also people who... Gen- people. No, 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 no. What I'm saying to you is there are also people who may be wearing a mask because they're out and they, really have, an under, and they have an underlying condition. Yes, but Niall... And, and there may be genuine... That's a genuine uh, yeah, fear. The, the common cold could kill the same people. Well, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, you see, I'm, what I'm saying, you've, you've given the figures there, but I think anyone who's looking at the figures here is beginning to realise this lockdown has no justification whatsoever. And the reality is, right, we as in The government will argue that it had a justification, but however... No, it didn't, it didn't. You can't take... They, they, they have thrown out numbers. I don't know where they got the well, numbers. Well, they, that they they've they saved came tens from. and thousands of lives. Yeah, you know, you know where they came from? A guy called Neil Ferguson. Yeah, the guy who had, a mistress, the guy who had his mistress in his house. Yeah. yeah. Who, who didn't even believe his own thing. He, 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 all his okay, just for people just... who don't understand that, the figures that we're using currently at the moment are taken from this empirical, um, uh, what is it, mathematical uh, analytics that they're using, which was actually designed by this guy, Ferguson. Yeah, but where did he get his data? What was he using? Well, his data clearly did... was faulty. Yeah. But no and everyone knows that, but we're still using it. We're still on it. We're still going by this lockdown plan. And Niall, they're not lift. I said it to you another night, and you said, no, no, the restrictions have been lifted. No, they're not. They're, they're lifting the restrictions as they slap even worse restrictions on us. As in, you've got to wear a face mask on an airplane, as if it isn't claustrophobic enough on an airplane already. I mean, that's the... I, I actually... If there, were, if there were no restrictions on flying, I'd have no problem going now to an airport. Originally, when this thing broke out, I said, no, the last place I go is an airport. I wouldn't be afraid to go flying now, but I'm not going flying if they're going to stick a face mask on me. No way, Jose. And if they're going to start testing me, I'm not going no holidays. 
uh, they can get stuff. I'm well, well according, according to Shane Ross, mind you, he's unelected. According to yeah. Shane Ross, the Minister for Transport, he said it will be 2023. I don't know whether you heard that today, Stephen, before the aviation industry gets somewhat back on its knees. They will never no, I, I didn't hear that. When I have to 2023. How that's, many millions of jobs well, will be Shane lost? Shane Ross's history of being accurate about things isn't it, the best. No? Well, that, that's why he wasn't elected again, yeah. Yeah, well, sorry, hang on for a second, Joseph. Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, no, I, mean, yeah, I agree a certain way with what the other gentleman says, but I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't have a problem wearing a face mask. I think if it allowed me to go or to travel, I mean, I've been to no, Hong yeah. Kong or China a number of times over the, over the years, and it's it's quite common over there, way before these are even signed. Yeah, no, but they, 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 they wore, they now, well, hang on, hang on, with the grace of sex, even, you, you, come on, you, it's a different culture, yes, and they wore the mask for a different reason. The reason they wore the mask in places like Hong Kong was because of the pollution. It is, but they're still protecting themselves, so there's no problem. I wouldn't have a problem wearing no, a face mask on a plane because you're in, a, you're in a small environment for a long time. You can't socially distance, so I'd much prefer to wear a safe ma- mask Sorry, for an no, hour or two and then take it off when I reach the destination. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. better than okay, well, the flights, all, okay. all the, uh, completely. Yeah, Joseph, go ahead, Joseph. Go Sorry, I, don't, I know that like, the chap is making a point, I understand, and I, but the reality is, right, <clears throat> a face mask is designed to block dust. You can see dust floating in the air. Viruses... Are, extre- are tiny. So when you, if you can breathe in and out through your mask, the virus just goes in and out through your mask. What about the air that goes in the sides? It doesn't stop the virus at all. They say it, you know, I, I agree with you, Joseph, and it actually says on the box of the face mask, does not protect you from COVID-19, right? It doesn't, it can't. It actually it says it on the side of the box of most masks. But the yeah, point, okay, but what it, it, they're covering themselves legally, by the way, in case you ever get it. Yeah, but it, no, it but, 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 but clearly, Joseph, it would have to reduce it somewhat. It doesn't stop you from getting it, but it would have to reduce it, sure. How would it reduce it? Well, I mean, well, the, well, it stops, if you, let's say, for example, you had it, and you had a mask on, and you had a bit of a cough or a sneeze, and you had a mask on, at least then... You're not going to spread it as much as you would without the but mask. But is, is the virus airborne? No, it's not airborne. It is. No, it's not. It's on droplets. It's in droplets. It's a slight difference. It goes on. It goes in moisture. It does, and they say they say that some of the experts have said you know with a sneeze and a cough it can travel up to twenty meters, right? Yeah. Okay, de- depending on wind, depending on the airflow in the room, etc., etc. But in saying that, that still doesn't mean it's airborne. Well, I, the, airborne the viruses can stay airborne. Right. Fine. Okay. Here. If people believe a mask can protect them, wear a mask. But I'm not wearing one. I am not going into the cult, right? That's what I'm calling it now. I call it the, this is my own, just my views on it. Uh, and, and I'm not calling people bad who are wearing masks. I just believe they've been terrorised. Some people are good people. There are virtue signalers who are wearing gloves and masks driving around the car. A guy crashed in America. I think he even got killed because he, he passed out from wearing the mask in the car. I mean, what he was protecting himself from or who, I don't know. But anyway, mm. uh, that actually happened. Uh, I mean, th- this, is, this, this is causing another type of mental, mental illness, you know. And um, the reality is, as far as I'm concerned, the government had no right to do this lockdown in the first place. They had a right to tell us this is a dangerous virus or we think it's a dangerous virus. They didn't. They were very slow off the mark. They told us nothing of the truth and the history of the virus. They didn't atta- accuse the WHO of what they did, lying and covering up for China and allowing Chinese propaganda to be spewed out through the WHO. They've done nothing. The Irish government has stayed quiet, but now they're slapping all these restrictions down on us. Meanwhile, China is, is working away. Billy go. Everything is full go. It was funny how, you know, the, the virus never went any further than Wuhan. The Chinese stopped people from leaving Wuhan, uh, the region of Wuhan, so they wouldn't spread the virus. But yet they let people leave China and go to other countries, yeah, well, which was quite bizarre. Was, 
That was done deliberately. Okay, well, 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 okay, but I, I, to be honest with you, China should have sanctions slapped on them at this stage. Well, stay there for a second, lads. Let me just go to Joan as well. Joan, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Joan? Hi, Niall. How are things? Good. Joan, I mean, do you agree with the idea of basically locking our borders? In other words, quarantines and testing at borders, which is going to kill tourism. Do you think it's a good idea? No, no. I'm a healthcare assistant. I was telling Lena there. And it has, the whole country needs to open up. This is the virus. We have to now, like you were explaining earlier, with the influenza, SARS, we have to now live with this. The main thing is education. That is the key, isn't it? Education that is the key. That is the key thing. Now, there's one thing I, I will say about the mask. I wear a mask when I go into a shop because I walk with very, very vulnerable people. Okay. Now, the reason is we don't know who is asymptomatic. That would be somebody who is a carrier but is not a sufferer. Yes. Okay. Now, if you're talking, if I'm only reading, you realise it now that we have this. A lot of people, when they talk... They actually sit. They do, yeah. Themselves. Now, if you're wearing a mask, whether you believe it, oh, this big, huge conspiracy, but let's be real about this. We can't stop this virus. But if you have a mask on and you spit when you talk and you have it and you're asymptomatic, so you don't have <clears throat> symptoms, you cannot spread it because you're talking through your mask. Well, you certainly reduce the risk of you spreading it. Yes. yes. You're, you're dropping the risk right down than if you had, hadn't got a mask. Mm-hmm. Now, I have the mask on if I go indoors into a shop and people aren't, say, social distance or they're like, I keep my distance but someone will just walk by you, whatever. There is people that aren't and they are still travelling. and they will People are getting off. very tetchy about it, by the way. They are. You know, because I was, I was in a shop today and I, I don't wear a mask, but I was in a shop today and there was a woman wearing a mask and, and she got her trolley and I kind of waited back. I stood back while she got her trolley and then as she moved out with her trolley, I picked up the spray bottle because I always spray the handle anyway and give it yeah. a roll. And I, I went to get my trolley and she gave me the dirtiest look ever. I was about a, <laughs> I was about a metre and a half from her, but do you think I just killed her firstborn? You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, I got to, people are very tetchy with each other, aren't well, they? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my side. I can, I can really tell you on my side. Where I am, where I'm working, we the daycare and we had residential, okay? Yeah. So, I don't think the people of Ireland realise what's happening on the flip side of things. We had clients that lived at home and they would come in daily and their medication and personal care and whatever other appointments they have would be done in-house. And then we had people who lived on site, right? Yeah. Now, this all kicked off. So, the, the clients that lived at home and I'm living in Kerry, and it's very isolated. So people live in very isolated people. They had home health, right? HSC home health coming in. So they might have 1.5 hours a day, or some might be higher risk because they could have um, certain problems. Whatever. So they might have an hour in the morning, a half an hour in the day, and an hour at night time. Yeah. Getting them for bed. And the HSC pulled all them hours. They did, yeah. I know that. We had somebody, right? we had somebody on who had the hours pulled, yeah. yeah. Then yeah, so you now have a person who is isolated. Now, where I'm living and where I'm working, we uh, came up with well, not me, but our uh, management and the multidisciplinary team. We came up with a plan and we went out to clients as well as the, no, the fair play to you, yeah. Because I had a girl on the other day, and her grandmother is getting home care uh, every couple of days to uh, change her bandages for her bed sores because she's yeah. bed bound. And yeah. the, the daughter was there, who's 65, who normally looks after, gave a little bit of a cough because she has COPD. 
and yeah. the carer went running out of the house like Flash Gordon. They got a phone call that afternoon <laughs> from the HSC saying the carer wouldn't be back and I'm going to Jeepers. What's this woman yeah. being paid for? You know this, what I mean? This is the problem, uh, Niall. It's lack of education. When this happens, right, I'll put it this way. When, for me to become a healthcare, right, assistant, I have to do specific courses, right? They're modules, right? So some of them are intense. And there's one of them, and it's infection and prevention. And in that one, you were, we would know there was no uh, COVID, even though SARS would be classed as COVID. Cause it's, of course, it's yeah, yeah. But then anyway, there was no COVID-19. And so you had to learn. You learned about... Well, of course, yeah. Airborne. The whole lot. Okay, so, we're, oh. so we're, we're gone off on a bit of a tangent, Joan, and, I, and I'm, I am very interested and keen to, 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 to listen to what you had to say because you're quite educated on the matter. But getting back, to, getting back to Ireland itself, so you believe the restrictions should be lifted sooner rather than later, and, yes. and the airport, wow. what about visitors coming, say, from America or visitors coming from Spain or Italy or any other country which was affected, similar to Ireland, affected quite badly? Should they be allowed into Ireland? Well, like that. It has to, the, the world has to keep going. Okay. The world has to keep going. Right. And let, let's face it, why would you travel if you were sick? Now, if you have... Well, if you knew you were Asian, sick, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, if you're in the minority of asymptomatic. Well, like that, this virus has an incubation up to 14 days, some are saying 16. So this is the, the, the whole thing. You don't know. Okay, well, sorry, Stephen, you want to say something to Joan there. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, there are two things. One, I, 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 I agree with what, uh, what Joan was saying there, and I think masks, like anything else, it's down to, it's down to minimising the risk. It's the same. You drive a car, it's, you have to put a safety belt on, but you don't, you don't ban cars because... Yeah, but yeah, I did see, like, like Joseph, I seen a fellow driving his car the other day on his own with a mask on him. It was a bit stupid. Yeah, oh, I've seen the same. <laughs> and the other thing I've seen is a number of people have the mask under their nose. But um, yeah. going back to the airport, going back to the topic, I think the Greek um, approach is interesting because in the middle of this month, they'll only require testing of those who are coming in from high-risk countries. Now, they said they will change the list of countries, which is fair enough, in that if there's a spike in a particular country, you then maybe impose it. But if you're coming from a country where there's very little or there's um, decreasing numbers... Yeah, you like if you're coming in, from New Zealand, I suppose you're grand. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or maybe do a quick test like they the, the have in Hong Kong yeah, I, had for years. But I, I don't want to see Ireland becoming... Obviously. I don't want to see Ireland, Ireland, Ireland ending up like New Zealand because everybody's saying, isn't New Zealand great? And fair play to the female Prime Minister, by the way. Everyone's saying, thank God we have a woman running the country in New Zealand. But, <laughs> but everything is open and back up. They're going to be playing their rugby games, spectators gigs, all, all, there's no cases uh, nobody's died in days or week nearly a week now I think at this stage right and they're saying isn't it great but see New Zealand is a, a, you know, a self-sufficient economy they don't need tourism as such yeah, right? they can, they can do without it I mean so realistically they have to close their borders because they can't let anybody in now so well, I mean the, old, the whole well. idea see Boris Johnson mentioned herd immunity going back about six weeks ago or whatever it was seven weeks ago and everybody lost their shit right all of a sudden herd immunity became a dirty word the world and human beings have relied on herd immunity for the last, for thousands of years. It's the best defence we have against any disease. And, 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 and one thing there, if you look on, at um, Sweden and its, and its Nordic neighbours, the number of deaths and particularly the number of cases in ICU is, is far more in Sweden than Absolutely, but you know, but you know why? Go on, no. Because they have a much, much larger elderly population. But also have a lot of rural people as well, so there are swings and balances in it. Uh, but I mean, well, I mean I realistically, exactly when you when you look at Sweden, and, and I know everyone uses the Swedish example, right? When you look at Sweden, yes, um, they have performed uh, the deaths per million are a little bit higher than Ireland. Not that much, by the way, but a bit higher than Ireland. But you've got to consider they've had no lockdown, 
So realistically, wouldn't you expect thousands and thousands more die in Sweden? But they didn't well, they really. Didn't have, they and they, didn't and they did admit themselves, in no. hindsight, they should have gone a bit further no. and maybe done a, a, not a lockdown, but they certainly think that maybe they should have taken it a bit more serious. But now they're out of the worst of it anyway. Well, a lot of Swedes also voluntarily did isolation as well. Mm-hmm. Because even though it wasn't obligatory, they were looking at other countries, so they had a mixture. It wasn't quite as free, I think, as what you're suggesting. Yeah, sorry, I want, you want to say something, Joseph? Yeah, just uh, this is supposed to protect lives, right? People, unfortunately, people die of flus, pneumonias all the time. But nobody is looking at the consequences in the whole world, right? The reality is, in the, what we call the third world, undeveloped countries who are heavily dependent on exports to countries like ourselves, those people are starving tonight. The food their banks are empty. Going, the food banks are their, empty. Their, their children are going to bed hungry and have been done since the lockdown. Now, the estimate is an extra 150, 130 million will die of starvation. Yes, I've heard and, these. I've heard that an extra. I think it was 14 and, countries they reckon will go into will be third world countries now because yeah, of this. Yeah, and 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 they reckon somewhere between the next five and ten years, a billion people will die because this this people are not realizing we're not in a recession anymore. We're in our depression, but it hasn't hit home yet because they're getting their free Great money. Depression. It, well, it is. Well, according to the uh, the uh, the English or the British Central Bank, the Bank of England, they said this will be the worst recession in 300 years and described it as a depression, not a recession. Well, well Niall, Niall, how then can a lockdown justify that? Because well, it doesn't. I, I personally don't believe it does justify it. Well, way more people are going to die. Of, and the longer this lockdown goes down on, and I'm going to, I, I, first of all, I'm going to say this, right? By the way, I don't, I don't recommend violence against anybody, and I will not be going after anybody, okay? I don't agree with violence. But I would not like to be in the shoes of certain people when people realise what has been done to them. That's all I'll say. Okay, we'll stay there for a second. Let me just... And, and Joan, sorry, you wanted to say something else, Joan, sorry? Yeah, oh. all I just wanted to say is what we're seeing, we're seeing high cases of depression now in the last fortnight. Depression now is kicking in. Um, they were able to... They walk around, you know, they were in the fourth phase and it meant they could come out a bit, the whole lot. We had people, clients that refused. They're terrified. We have a few clients that need hospital appointments. They're refusing. They're terrified. We, we're trying to explain things. We, we can't tell them not to look at a telly or listen to a radio. The damage that was done in the early days of frightening people, especially... Particularly the elderly, patients, yes. It's horrific. And we're, we're seeing now the rate of depression that we're now witnessing and it's unfolding in front of our eyes is devastating. The government ought to be ashamed. The HSC needs to get off their asses and look after these people. You try and explain to a dementia patient that they can't do something, they can't go somewhere. It's and then, I got, by the way, can I point out, just for elderly people listening, right? And I, and I know the government are saying, well, they use wording with the psychological language, you're now allowed out. You were never not allowed out. It was an advisor to stay at home. Um, the fear that a lot of elderly people have, you're right, Joan, is absolutely irrational because the majority, the vast majority of people over the age of 70 who have got yeah. COVID-19 out of the 30,000 people yeah, who had it or survived. whatever, have all survived. The vast majority have survived. Yeah. So, they had an underlying condition now. Absolutely. Yeah. And most actually would have had multiple underlying conditions. Yes. Yeah. They were already, unfortunately, on the way out of this Well, I, I, I don't like saying that. That's not a nice thing to yeah. say. Because no, 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 nobody not. should die sooner than they're supposed to. Let's no, be clear. No, no, no I'm sorry. No, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm, we, any of us can go at any time. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not being disrespectful to someone who dies. We're all going to die someday, right? Oh yeah, but the world can't end because people are dying because people die every day. Well, yeah, yeah. ninety, 90 people yeah. in this country die every day. The majority of those will die who are uh, who died in this country every day are el- are elderly people. Because, of course, as we know, the one thing in life we're absolutely sure of is that we are going to die. Uh, Alan, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Alan? Hello, Niall. How are you? Alan, I mean, the quarantining at the airport or the option to pay 200 quid uh, and, you know, wait, I don't know how long, it's maybe a day or so for a test uh, at the airport, is that going to help tourism at all? No, it's going to destroy tourism. I mean, the 14-day uh, quarantine is enough to put everyone off travelling. I mean, the only people who could really afford to go and isolate themselves for 14 days would be those who are retired and those who, who are unemployed. Um, I mean, but then airlines won't have the capacity. There'll be no capacity for airlines to fly. Um, I work in the uh, aviation industry, and I'm, on, I'm currently on the uh, job retention scheme in the UK, and it's not looking likely that I'll be back at work until October. We had a meeting today, and we just don't see with the quarantine period, which they've also uh, prepared to bring in over here. Um, mm-hmm. It's just going to destroy it. No one's going to want to travel. Also, on the test and uh, in the airport, I don't really see how you could have people waiting around four hours for their test results. Because if you have planes coming in, you're going to have more and more people. Yeah, you imagine that in a busy airport. bank holiday weekend. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> that alone is enough to put people off. The face mask, the touch on the face mask, I don't really, I don't want to particularly, but I don't mind if, if, I, if it's something I have to do. I'll just wear it for the two-hour flight. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel the same as you. I mean, look, I, either way, I couldn't be bothered, but uh, if, I, if I had to, if, if it was something I had to do to go on a holiday, I'd, I'd put up with it for the two or three hours, yeah. Well, there was a story in the paper today, uh, actually a video on, online, and it was a bloke who was refused uh, on a, flight, a Ryanair flight uh, yesterday, I think it was, to London from Dublin, uh, because he turned up at the gate without a face mask, and they refused on boarding, and um, they called the airport police on him when he kicked off. But that's what we're looking at now. You know, you, you'll get here, you'll, be, you'll either have to pay a fortune to buy a mask in the airport, or you'll be refused boarding. Um, the other alternative is air bridging, which is the term we're using over here, um, where we will look at countries where the risk is that low that we Port, can allow. I know, I know Britain and Portugal have been looking at an air bridge and a couple of other countries, isn't it? They're, they're now, to be honest, from other country point of view, I don't know why they'd want to let people from the UK in, you know, <laughs> this how badly is true, air yeah. <laughs> but, but certainly from Ireland. Well, I think the UK has today. been hit pretty hard because, firstly, you've got, an, uh, you know, 18% of the population is over 65, compared yeah. to 13% over here. You've also got condensed populations in cities, uh, unlike right. Ireland, you know, which is a bit more sporadic rurally. Um, you know, you've got in Britain, you've got London, which was hit really bad. You've got Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, and all those cities where you have dense populations, and that's why it was hit pretty hard. Yeah, and it, and it's it well. the, um, yeah. Sorry, no. yeah, sorry, Joseph. No, sorry, it seems to affect. Yeah. It does seem to affect the, um, you know, the. Uh, Asian and African community a lot more because again, like Italy, they tend to live with their elderly um, cultural. Yes, it's cultural. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's a cultural thing as well. That's why we're seeing that. But uh, when it comes to travels, there's it's not looking good for the industry, and I, I worry about my own job over here. Mm, I worry about your job, and I worry about the whole aviation industry. And not only that, then the knock-on effect is, of that is, of course, the hotel industry, the bars, yeah. the restaurants, and everything that goes yeah. along with it. All those jobs, I'm worried about all them. I'm worried about because tourism, we survive on tourism. Is there yeah. ten million that come into the country now? Sorry. Isn't it 10 million that come into Ireland every year? I'm not too sure, but I believe I believe the take on it is something like 4.5 or 5 billion per year. Yeah, I think it's 10 million people, but maybe I'm wrong, but if it's 7 or something, but mm-hmm. 
We can't do without that money. Well, we're down this this April. We're down to one percent of our normal figure. Yeah, we can't. That's insane. Sixteen thousand people. All, 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 all the money that those little B and Bs around the countryside, the knock-on effect here is like dominoes going out in all directions. And again, I'm going to go back and say it: the economic collapse is going to kill a hundred times as many people. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the sad. Well, I mean, well, well, I think every, everybody realizes that despair and poverty, which will be created by a recession. Yeah. And not only that, you know, we've talked about already the, the loneliness of people who are living alone, who are afraid to go out and Jonas has kind of uh, made yeah, it very clear. So. Suicide goes through the roof over this. Well, they've yeah, already... That law be covered up. I, I, that's very sad to hear. Well, that's very sad to hear, but probably a fact. In California, they've already done a study on this, and they said in the state of California, more people, they believe the increase in suicide has actually been higher than the increase of deaths by COVID-19. Yes. And, 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 and in areas where they locked down, more people died of the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, you're in apartments. You're I, I, I just, I, I don't, I, 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 just find it astonishing that our government are not looking any further than this virus. They're not looking into the damaging, now? the damaging effects of this virus. Do you want to know why now? Yeah, why do you think that is, Joseph? Because they're following the order. Leo Varadkar is just purely a puppet, following the order straight from the uh, the UN and who. And well, he's following the orders from Nefert, Yeah. Yeah. And are, well, in, fairness, in fairness to Alan Kelly from Labour, mind you, Labour have nothing to lose at the moment. Uh, but in fairness to Alan Kelly from Labour, he is having a go at the government, you know. And he, I, I'm just looking here. There was an article here today on the Journal. Where has it gone here? But basically, Alan Kelly is just is basically saying that they're they're following the orders from Neffet uh, too much. In other way, he said he said basically the the tail is wagging the dog. But you know who you know who's, t- who's giving them the orders, man? Who? Bill Gates. Ah, oh, no, we're not going to get into that. Now, oh, sorry. No, uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going. Well, that's okay. That's that's a Terry James and our Joseph. But I'm not going to get into that. No, now. no, Bill Gates is, oh, yeah. uh, is okay. the head uh, honcho here. Well, no, right. on, yeah. on the bigger, the bigger question, I'll. Yeah. Uh, is the people like there's enough people in Ireland? Are we going to sit back and let a, a pack of muppets ruin our country? It's destroying slowly as it is daily. Well, I know there's people listening tonight. I'd like to hear from them, by the way, who completely disagree with all of you. Sorry, uh, Alan, so you don't think you're going to be back at work till October? Not at no, October no. the latest for me, I think, with the, with the quarantine. They, Are you they, on a furlough payment at the moment, yeah? I am, and I tell you what, it's, the UK government, I really applaud them for it. Um, until the end of July, we'll receive 80% of our pay from... Uh, from the UK government, and yeah. uh, then uh, then it's reduced down to sixty, and the co- the company will will up it up. But yeah, I mean, I'm okay financially, but it's just I don't I don't want to know which airline you work for that you're on visit, but is it one of the larger ones? I work in air traffic control in the UK. I, oh, okay. I'm I'm affected by by um, the whole in, in the airport itself. All oh, yeah. right, okay, okay, okay. So we're <laughs> it's not looking good. I don't know. I think I I've, I wouldn't I've, like your job, by the way. I've often t- I've often thought a friend of mine is in air traffic control in Dublin Airport, and I've often said to him, I'd hate your job. One mistake and a lot of lives are at stake. <laughs> so it's a very responsible job. So fair play to you, Alan. I don't think I'd like a, a job. Qui- it's a lot quieter over here. It's a lot quieter in my airport. I worked in Dublin for a few years, and it's a lot quieter over over yeah. here in the new life than it was back there. Yeah, I knew a guy who worked in uh, in Dublin in air traffic control. Uh, when did you work there? Uh, 2016 to 18. Yeah, guy, uh, I'll, I'll give you a second name. It was Foran. Foran. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, yeah. It was his father. I used to work with his father. was a DJ uh, with me in Rumours. That's how I know him. And it was his son that was actually in air traffic control. A lovely fella. And he works in air traffic yeah, control. Yeah, I, I know him, yeah. A survey has found that 39% of people say they are now wearing masks and gloves. I haven't seen a third of people wearing masks and gloves, I'll be honest with you. Yes, when you go into hospitals and places like that, of course, everybody is. 
I've seen some people wearing them, but I wouldn't say a third of people wearing them. More than half, 53% of people have changed their holiday plans. Pardon me. Shouldn't be drinking the Red Bull, sure shouldn't. Overseas to avoid travel. Uh, I think a lot of people have changed their holiday plans not to avoid travel, but I think the fact is that a lot of people have changed their holiday plans because they had no choice. This is according to a survey by iReach. It also found that 29% of people are working from home, up from 11% uh, in March, while a quarter are still stocking up on food, with a 6% uh, of respondents still stocking up on fuel. I don't. I don't think a quarter of people are stocking up on food at this stage. I think in the early days there was a run on bread, wasn't there, and toilet rolls and all sorts of things. I don't... I'd, where do they get this research from? Helena? Sorry for interrupting you there, and I know you're really busy. Um, but do you believe that a quarter of the population are stocking up on food? Um, at the beginning, maybe, but not now. Not now. No. I don't know anybody stocking although, up on food. Although maybe people are stocking up because it's such kind of a nuisance getting to the shops now. People kind of... Dread the, the but that's not stocking price. up. That's just bulk buying once a week rather than going three times a week. No, I think maybe people are bulk buying for longer than a week. You know, for certain items, not obviously for not like not perishable items because you can't be buying you know three weeks worth of milk. There's no point of that. But like for things that they can stockpile on, maybe they are noodles and the likes. Maybe stuff like that. They're kind of buying a little bit more of, so they don't right. have to stand thirty minutes or twenty or thirty minutes in a queue. All right, okay. Uh, but tonight I do want to focus on the masks because a leading immunologist is calling for face masks to be made mandatory in public. Professor Luke O'Neill, who on this show, by the way, going back some months ago, when this all started first, we had Luke on, said he didn't believe the masks served any purpose, but now we all of a sudden he says they do. Anyway, uh, Luke O'Neill made a, a call after a new study published in the Lancet Journal found that wearing masks can lead to a six-fold drop in the spread of COVID-19. He also pointed out to a hospital uh, in Boston which found that making masks mandatory for staff and patients could the rate of infection in half and absolutely by the way in a hospital that's a hospital setting I have no reason to believe that people shouldn't be wearing masks in a hospital setting because clearly people are in hospitals for reasons uh, and people who are obviously have underlying illnesses etc etc he said it's time to consider making them mandatory in Ireland all across the board like not ch- now, I know public transport, they've already said they want to make the mandatory on public transport. He said mandatory mask wearing would allow health officials to seriously consider a reduction in the two-metre social distancing rule. In England, face masks are to be made mandatory on public transport. I don't know whether you believe it should be the same here. But do you think face masks should be made mandatory in Ireland? Not just on public transport, but everywhere. Should we all have to wear a mask? Let me know what you think. The number is 087 Could you imagine I had to wear a mask and work? Like this. Just give us a call, 087 188 That's 087-188-008. Welcome to Classic Hits. Jesus Christ. Dermot, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Dermot? No, you're off your fucking rocket tonight. Oh, just off the world. You're off your rocket. Go on. Well, hold on. Well, I'm just getting people's opinions. Go on. Yes, well, okay. I have a few points. I had plenty of time to think about. I'm trying to think now. First, masks. The first thing on masks is either everybody wears them or nobody wears them. And that's all there is to it. There's no point in you going in with your mask on into a crowded super value and you're surrounded by 50 people and none of them are wearing them. And you're the only one. There is a point. Because if, because if you have an underlying illness or you have a reason to want to protect yourself, like some people do, it does serve as some form of protection for you. If people as have... Luke on, listen, as Luke O'Neill said, wearing a mask doesn't protect you. It protects others. Absolutely. So but it, but it does, win, but, but it can win. give you some protection. Very little. Yes. Very little. I know. Very little. I know. Unless, okay, if you go in wearing a mask and goggles, wearing glasses, 
because any orifice in your body just go into mainly the nose, the mouth, and the eyes. Yep. If you have a mask covering your nose and your mouth, and somebody's beside you, they're roaring and shouting, uh, whatever. Well, I but hope nobody's going to be beside you roaring and shouting because you're meant to be keeping your distance from people. But go well, on. Yeah. Uh, well, that's another day as well. Yeah. You know as well as I do, this is Ireland. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that yeah. way in a lot of cases. Now, getting to the point of the, the quar- quarantining. Yeah, quarantining. Yeah, well, yeah, the lockdown and quarantine. The lockdown depends on is is a global thing. This is this is a, okay. Every country has a lockdown or whatever. No, well, if not Ireland every not opens, every country. Different, different countries have different types of lockdowns. But yeah, go yes. On. If Ireland opens its borders tomorrow and says we're open for business, we'll all go to the airport, arms open, out waiting for tourists to come in. It's that is not going to have any effect on anybody coming into the country. Will it? Will it? it, it Will the Irish citizens, the people that live within this country, would they be? Would there be sufficient, a sufficient economic lift if the lockdown was lifted with no tourists coming in? Do you think the economy would lift if the pub was open tomorrow? If we were back to normal tomorrow, is there enough money in no. in the Irish? State? No, no. So what's the, what is it going to be if we open our borders tomorrow? Open the airport? Open the whole nine yards? Are you thinking that people are going to start flooding in from France and England and America and Germany and all to visit Ireland? No, they're not. You ha- no, you're, you're not looking at the bigger picture, right? The bigger picture is social distancing, and that's what that's what the quarantining is all about as well. All right. So the yeah. bigger, the real picture here is social distancing, right? Now, when yeah. we when we exit this lockdown, be it end of July or mid August, whatever whatever they decide to do, right? They still haven't yeah. really quite decided yet, right? Social distancing going forward is. Just, it cannot work. It just can't work because it will destroy the economy. Because let, let's, let me give you a small example. On the Lewis, they have a 15% capacity. I think Dublin bus is 20% capacity. Um, you know, airlines are going to have a very small capacity. Um, shops obviously have a limited capacity at the moment. You know, they, they have to queue outside and let them in as one goes in, one goes out with a limited capacity of maybe 100 people in the shop at a time, which clearly reduces their business and the amount of business they can do in one day, particularly in a busy weekend. Those businesses, including pubs and restaurants and hairdressers, and those businesses will not survive social distancing. They'll Correct. survive it for a week or two, maybe, you know, but, but they're not going to survive because they won't make a profit and they will be all out of business. No. This, yes. So, so, what, so what's the plan then? What's, what's you the make plan? A very, hold on. You make a very valid point. But the fear, what kicked all this off, and really what kicked it off in this country was what you watched on your screen uh, eight or nine weeks ago. In Italy. In Italy. In Italy and Spain. And you saw the absolute carnage over there. But, but, the but Dermot, Dermot, if we had a had cameras and we had a had Sky News reporting in 2014 when the Italians got a really bad flu season, and again, I please, I don't want people to think I'm comparing it with the flu, we would have been equally as scared. If we were told in 2017 and 2018 we put a camera into Beaumont, Tala and all the major hospitals in this country where ICU was out the door, actually only in January, the Irish Examiner ran an article saying that ICU was at capacity all over the country with people in the, having the flu up, this is up to January, before COVID even came along. We would have been horrified. But we accepted that as human beings, unfortunately, we are plagued by this virus called influenza. Now, we have another virus, sadly in our midst, that will take as many people per year, if not a little bit more, uh, each year. But the point is, we have one, two choices. We can allow it to continue, and we can allow people to die naturally, as they will from the flu, as they will from COVID-19, and unfortunately, if SARS ever becomes a worldwide problem, we're in big trouble, right? But in yeah. fact, Or we can lock down the economy 
and we can reduce people's lifestyles. People will be without jobs, despair, um, and people will die of that as well. And with, or, or, you know, for other reasons, other unquantifiable reasons. So we have a trade-off. There's mm. a trade-off to make. And the yeah. trade-off is quite simple. And I heard, as I said, a politician on the air last week uh, saying that if we could save one life, it's worth keeping restrictions. That's a stupid comment. It is. That's bollocks. Oh, right? Of course yeah. it is. Absolutely. Because I, I, and I don't want to be the person who says that's your life or your life or your life because that's not, that makes this whole debate emotional, right? But yeah. I could equally turn around and say, do you want to save 170 lives, save uh, thousands of people from ending up in wheelchairs and disabilities every year, reduce the speed limit to five kilometers an hour? That will do it. So why, right. so why don't we do it? We don't do it because we have an economy. We people need to get from A to B. We have deliveries to be made. Haulage companies need to move around. So we don't do it. So the trade-off is we accept people will die. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do, yeah, it is. Yeah, you make, you make very valid points. But the, you're, you're very worried the bigger picture. The bigger picture is we are a tiny country in, in a huge global world. And the simple fact is, by us, I do agree the lockdown will have to come to an end, social distancing, blah, blah, blah. But that's the way it is across the world. Every country is in the same boat. And our economy, is, is, as you say, if, if you're talking, the main um, line with you seems to be um, tourism coming in. You're talking four or five billion. Well, no, no, it's not really. It's just, this is just another, you know, uh, nail in the coffin for us, I think. The tourism is just another nail in the coffin. And it's also, for me, what I'm thinking is, I accepted at the start, like everybody else, this is unchartered. This is unprecedented. We don't know much about it. Let's learn. Yeah, okay, lock down the country until we understand what's going on. I think we understand what's going on now. We have a very much better picture than we had three months ago. And we now know that, you know, is it worth really destroying the, the world's economy for this? Probably not. So the, the, what, we're, what we need to look at now is we need to be realistic about it. And, yeah. we, and we need to take into consideration that as human beings throughout, the, throughout time, since the day we evolved, we have this wonderful mechanism and weaponry called antibodies. And, you know, and that's not a dirty word. Herd immunity has been, herd immunity has been promoted by the medical industry for years when we talk about vaccines and we talk about other things, right? It's been promoted. But all of a sudden, people are saying herd immunity is a dirty word. The majority of people, the vast majority of people who get this virus won't even know they had it. Uh, the, a smaller amount of people might get bad symptoms like you would with the flu where you might end up bedridden for a week. A very few people will move on to get something similar to pneumonia or what they call, a, you know, a respiratory uh, disease or illness and end up in ICU. Very few. And yep. even a smaller few, a tiny percentage will die. But we're not saying that. We're terrifying people. Under the age of 65, you're extremely unlikely to die. You're more likely to be killed on the road. Yep. You know what I mean? So but, it doesn't make any sense to be doing what we're doing. We should have been protecting the people who need to be protected. And we, the rest of us didn't really need agree. protection. I do agree. Yeah, I do agree. And as I said, I heard you talking in, in, in the, just in previously to Joseph and Joan and the whole lot of them. And you were talking about, um, somebody mentioned, oh, well, oh, you know, the hospitals are empty, the ICU is empty, the whole lot. They're good, they're for a very good reason, because of the lockdown. Had we not locked down, the, the whole idea of the lockdown was, not to have a surge that would destroy the hospitals, that would overrun the hospitals. And um, it worked. Now, yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the thing of gassing is, today is no different to March the 31st or April the 1st when this was at its peak. The virus is still there, absolutely still there. And it'll be interesting. I will be interested to see in two to three weeks what the damage this March did last Monday has. 
if, if five, four or 5,000 people marched up O'Connell Street on Monday and there's no significant surge in cases or deaths, well, I think, I think absolutely that would be the point where you say enough is enough. But, 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 look, but, yeah, but look at this logically. Look at the evidence even there at the moment. In the yeah. last four weeks in this country, you know, kind of midway, well, about two weeks before the first phase came in, people became complacent. There was people on beaches, walking around parks. People were breaking the five-kilometre yeah. rule. They were visiting their friends. Kids, or teenagers were meeting each other anyway before they even brought the phase in. And the government mm. were giving out about complacency and look, you know, you're going to do a lot of damage. We're going to have a second wave. It didn't happen. The numbers reduced anyway. We brought in the first phase, right, which was now nearly three weeks ago. The numbers are still reducing and more people are out of work. Even before the first phase, a quarter of the population, including civil servants, hospital staff, radio DJs, uh, haulage companies, delivery drivers, taxi drivers, uh, were still out working. But, yes. the num- but the numbers didn't go up. They went down. So, so why, the is point- Tony, why, why, is the, why is the main man in the country, of, uh, the celebrity man at the moment, oh, Tony Holland? He'll be on Dancing with the Stars in about three weeks. Yeah, go on, sorry. Why is he still spooked by, um, he was on today, I believe, I, was listening to, I didn't hear him say it, and he's, he's, he's on the warpath over um, house parties and all this sort of thing. He mentioned that. So he seems to be spooked about something. Well, what, what has he got to gain by frightening the shit out of people? I don't know is the answer to your question, Dermot, what he's got to gain. And I think at this stage... He has stage, nothing to gain. He's a okay, but are you asking me my personal opinion or are you asking me to be a broadcaster here? Well, uh, you can be either one. If you can't answer it, don't answer it. Well, I think power has a lot to do with all this. Not him personally, but I just think, I think from a governmental point of view, I think power... I mean, here we have a, you know, a caretaker, unelected government... Uh, making decisions, and I think what they and what they've done is socially condition people using fear. I don't think it's intentional, by the way. I don't think in, initially. I don't think it was intentional. I think now it's starting to continue to be intentional. But basically, social conditioning people by fear to not challenge or question anything. All you got to do is listen to the media, and I and with the exception of one or two shows on radio. Very few people are having open conversations. All they're doing is wheeling on the same experts every single time who have the same opinions. On this show, personally, I will take credit for the fact, and Helena and Ashling, that we have had experts from all over the world, uh, all with different views, and many of them basically saying this is just going to go away anyway. It's not such a big deal after all. Yeah, it's a fair point. And I think the lockdown will, I think the lockdown will, like there is talk that they're going to try and push it faster and faster. And I think by, by sort of the end of July into August, that'll be it. But, but, be but, yeah, but there's no point in lifting a lockdown and saying to people you can go back to work, but you have to go back to work under air, air, air conditions. And, you know, if you're a shop, you can only do a tenth of the business you've done before. Or if you're a transport company, you can only carry, instead of 70 passengers, you can only carry 15 or 19 passengers. There's no point in saying that to people because they, can't carry, no on their, they can't carry on their business. No, I, I, that's a fair point. But the point is, every day we're learning. And in other words, what we what they didn't know at the end of February into March with this thing, we thought the world was fucking over. We're all going to die. <laughs> then we realised no, we weren't all going to die. And, and it's baby steps. We're moving on and moving on. And no, it's not going to go on like that, Niall, Where there's no point in having Dublin bus now if they can only carry twenty people a day. It's not going to be fucking feasible. No. something will have to be done. Well, unless we four times the amount of buses on the road to bring people to work. It's no, not I'm sure, sure, sure. Somebody has to pay the bill for that. Yeah. And that's not going to work. And it will all, it will all resolve itself in the end. Well, it's not. But it's all yeah. going to implode. And apart from anything else, then we're looking at a situation where economists and some of the best financial experts in the world are saying in September, we haven't felt the recession yet, by the way. 
and no country really has because currently every country is in pause mode, if you know what I mean. I mean, even the stock markets in America and the share prices, not to go into it in too much detail, are staying quite stable. And the reason is because the American government, for example, are pumping trillions into the economy. Like, for example, I spoke to somebody today who has his own business. He employs 300 people in the United States and he said he's been given two and a half times his payroll by the American government to cover his staff's wages for two and a half months, which ends on the 15th of June. He's hoping it'll be extended a little bit longer, okay? But in saying that, so every government is pumping money into it, but that money is running out. And what will happen is in September, this recession is going to kick in and we are snookered. No, but yeah, but, but yeah, but be logical about it. Every country on earth in the in the in the first world, as we call it, not necessarily the, the third world. Well, they're snooping every country is, yeah. has always been in debt. The Americans have always owed trillions in all their history. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, they've always owed and 20, borrowed, up to, up to twenty trillion. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So this, like, yes, if every country holds together, every country is in the same boat. Every country has to open up. And the, the, the economy will open up, and people will be out, and they would spend, and they would spend, and life will go back to normal. It will take a little bit of time. Businesses. Yeah, but okay, well, you said life will go back to normal. So, Dermot, would you like to see life go back to normal or to a new normal? What's, well, briefly, what's a new well, normal? Well, Tony Holohan and Simon Harris and everybody else is talking about this new normal for a number of years, which is social distancing, you know, so many people in a pub, no DJs, no dancing, no sing-song. Well, you can have your sing-song as long as you're sitting down two metres apart. I mean, do you think that new normal, a hairdresser having to stand behind a shield while she's doing someone's hair, you know, a restaurant, you know, you're sitting miles apart from people. Do you think that new normal is acceptable going forward as human beings? Do you think that'll work? I don't think it will. It won't work, but uh, until they get a vaccine. And ah, if you don't that, get a vaccine... See, Dermot, there's, there's the million-dollar mistake, right? That's a big... No, it's a million-dollar question. No, you know, hold on a second. The best experts in the world have said we may never get a vaccine. They have no vaccine for HIV. They have no vaccine for MERS. They have no vaccine for SARS. And there's a it took very us 10 years to get a vaccine for, for influenza. Correct. And even then, the vac- and even then, the vaccine was never successful. Even now, the vaccine is not one hundred percent successful. At best, it's twenty five percent successful. But life, life has changed. You're talking like the point Maybe is, a bit you're more, talking, sorry. yeah, yeah. You're talking about um, you're talking about tourism, just as an example. Like fifty years ago, nobody travelled to Spain. Where did you ever go when you were young on your holidays? You didn't go to Spain. Yeah, but I absolutely. But I don't want to go back to the 1960s and 70s. I'm quite happy with the world we live in, where we can go off to America on holidays and go to Spain on holidays. No, I don't think we should be taking backward steps. Maybe, well, maybe that's just going to have to change now. Well, it can change in your world. It's not going to change in mine. (laughs) Well, it has to. You know, you're not. Hang on a minute. You know, you're 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 in your. Why? Why should it? But here's the thing. There's no scientific evidence to suggest, for example, that you, Dermot, or me... Well, I don't know if you have any underlying conditions, but certainly, I, I know I don't. I do. I have, I have a bit of a, a, bit of a okay. COPD. Okay. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying to you is, the majority of the country don't have you know, a serious underlying condition, and they're under the age of 65. Um, actually, only 13% are over the age of 65. So why should everybody have to suffer, or everybody's lifestyle have to change? Where... Those people who feel they're at risk, unfortunately, are at risk, and they have to protect themselves, and they should be well-educated about it, and well-protected by the state in whatever way necessary. But why should everybody else have to suffer as well? Why? Why should the whole country have to suffer? I don't think it will. I think, I think, I think we're, still, we're still in a bit of a... Is that a bit of a selfish attitude, by the way? It is... No, it is not a selfish attitude, and I, I 
don't think so. So, in other words, why should 99% of the population have to suffer in all this sort of stuff to protect the 1%? Well, it's um, up to the government to protect the 1%, and it's up to the 1% to protect each other and protect themselves. No, I don't think it'll happen. I think. I, I mean, think if, I, if I was an at-risk person with a serious respiratory problem... Mm-hmm. Even between October and January, again, not to compare it to the flu, but the flu is extremely dangerous to people who have underlying conditions. I would be protecting myself at those times anyway. But unfortunately, in the last you know fifty years, we've become quite complacent when it comes to the flu, and it's a killer. Well, if, you, if you if you were um, if you were suffering if you were suffering medically and you were a high risk of dying if you if you picked this COVID nineteen up, and you heard a version of you talking the way you are, would you be saying he's a right selfish bastard? Well, no, I wouldn't at the moment because the way I'm thinking, it's very hard for me to think like that. But maybe if there is somebody listening in that situation, they could come on and call me a selfish bastard if they want to. But I don't believe it's selfish because I believe that we have to keep the economy going and I believe that we have to keep people in business. And people, I mean, if we don't, what happens is more people will die from despair. So I think we have to balance it out and there's always going to be trade-offs. And the trade-off is in unfortunate cases like the flu, uh, people die every year. I have, half, yeah. Over half a million people die every single year of influenza. That's a fact. And again, and we had this conversation over and over. What is spooking the medical world about this virus? Because we did talk about this. Because it spreads faster. That that's the, that seems to be the main thing. It does, and and we've seen that. We've seen that in large cities, like you know, in Manhattan, for example, or New York, and we've seen it in London and other big, densely populated cities that it spreads much quicker. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a it's a difficult one. I think we're in a bit of a state hysteria here. Worry, worry, worry. I think just plot along week after week. I I am confident that once the economy opens, that the citizens of this country will. To get it to a certain extent back on its feet. I have no no opinion on on tourism and and airplanes and all this sort of crack because that depends on if people if the couple in California who come to Ireland every year decide oh I might Ireland is open do you think we should go that depends on them and it, like the tourists from all over the world that come here we have no we have no um, say in whether they come or don't come if they come fantastic if they don't come. We have to deal with it. And we're in trouble. Uh, what are we doing text here? Niall, your show is very one-sided, if you ask me. All you do lately is give out about the government. Well, that's my job, by the way, to question the government and their decisions uh, on your behalf. And if you don't agree with me, you can go on the air and challenge me on that. Uh, day after day, you give out about the government. It's all you ever talk about. Well, uh, see, at the moment, COVID-19 is all everybody is talking about. And the government are the ones making the decisions. So what, what do you expect me to talk about? I could talk about Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse all day if you'd like me to. I, I know you won't read this out because you don't like my opinion, says Aiden. Well, Aiden, your opinion is valid. You're entitled to your opinion. I would, don't agree with it, but you're entitled to it. Uh, let me go to Noel. Noel, you're on Classic Kids. Hey, dear Noel, Dermot believes that um, I'm wrong, I suppose, in some sense. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> uh, no, I, as far as the masks are concerned... Um it's not human. I'm not going to wear one. Now, I do wear a mask when I'm doing um, dirty work like oil boilers and cleaning out stuff like that. Uh, I have to wear a mask for dust. But that's about it. It's not right. It's not human. You can't talk to people. I don't, I don't, if I go into a shop, uh, I'm not going to talk to somebody that has a mask on them. I'm going to have to tell them, and I have told people, you know, you have to take the mask off if you want to talk to me. I need to see mask. the expression on their face. I need to see what they're saying. 
I, I don't want them laughing. We, we had the, the same conversation going back about six yeah. months ago with people wearing burkers, but however, yeah. Yeah, well, I know, I think exactly, which it would be kind of hypocritical now if you, if you agreed with not not having somebody wearing a burka and then going out with a with well, a I, mask. Well, I do, want, I, do, I do want the same thing. I do understand old people who want to wear masks for their own personal reason. Maybe they have an elderly grandmother and, and whatever, or they have somebody mm. at home at risk, or maybe they're at risk themselves. And if they want to wear one, I, I obviously I don't have an objection to anybody wearing a mask. Listen, you know, you know, I I seen a report there um, on 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 the the, uh, the online there two two or three days ago that in uh, in 2018 in England in January one month 64,000 people died of the flu, and they they haven't even got anywhere near that with the COVID. I don't, I but don't, I, I don't think. In, now, just to clarify your figures. 64,000 people would die in one month in the UK from different things on well, average every year, well, right? Well, that's what it says. But, yeah, but not from, not from the flu. 64,000. Okay, maybe maybe actually in a year in the UK, 64,000 would die because the most that's ever died of the flu, I believe, in one year in the last 20 years, I think is 850,000 in total in the world, right? No, I so, thought it was over. I thought it was well over a million. But no, no anyway, that's, okay. that's neither here nor there. But I'm, I'm talking, as I go around to different houses, I haven't stopped walking because I'm in supposed to be essential services when people's heating and stuff breaks down. And I've been talking to people that have been walking in both the Matter and uh, people that are walking in Bromount. And they're beginning to question things themselves. They are, they, I know, know that. I know they're somebody beginning to question things themselves. So I, I, I won't be, I, I live close enough to the city, so I'll either get a get, get walking in or I'll hop on a, on, a, on a bike, but a push bike and I'll go in. Uh, into the city, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wear a mask on the bus. Absolutely not. Well, unfortunately, well, it may. It may. It may it, sorry, it may, it may be a case say, that you have to be once. Yeah, sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. Exactly. You, you, took the word, you, took the, you took the words out of your mouth. It may become mandatory that if it is. Well, then I won't you, use the bus. Then I just won't use the bus. And then again, you go to your super value, and you will be refused at the door until you put a mask on. Well, that's fine. Well, then I'll, I'll, I'll just probably have to go home and do it online or something. But I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Jeremy. Now, I'm not like, no, I'm not refusing to do it. I find them extremely uncomfortable. But you're going around with. It's not, it's not the point. After a couple of minutes, you walk down the road and, and you, or you go into the shop. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you, you have a discharge of what you call it, nasal and, 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 and mouth discharge, and you're in your own spits and snaps. That's not healthy. And you're breathing back in your own stale air that you. That you that that you uh, that you've just well, to be fair, that's if you're wearing. That's in fairness. That's if you're wearing the mask hour after hour after hour. I'm not talking about wearing but the shop assistants. The shop assistants will be wearing them for you know for a, a long period of time. But the, well, the shops, I mean, with the greatest respect, the shops that I've gone into, and somebody sent me in a complaint last week into the radio station because I said the girls in the shop, um, and but the, in the shop I, I go to, the, there are always girls at the checkout. There is no guys, mm. all right? Um, and the girls at the checkouts in the shop that I go to, um, they don't wear masks at all. Yeah, when you say they're behind, there's a perspex screen as you walk past the checkout where the yeah, register yeah. thing is. But when you walk to the side to pay them and put me card in the thing, there's nothing between us. That's it, yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and I haven't heard of anyone mandatory. dying in a check... Uh, you know, anybody who works on checkouts no, dying. No. no. Maybe, no, I, maybe it, they haven't. They just haven't told me about it. But I haven't heard about it happening. No, they haven't. They haven't. Surely it's, isn't, isn't, it's supposed to be 90, 99.7% recovery rate anyway. And I, I reckon that I probably... I get a flu every year and I reckon that I probably got 
and it, and, and it didn't affect well, there is, there is well, now There is now some theories out there. No, I don't know how true it is. I've seen some stuff online from some professors saying that if you have had the flu in the last three years, they're now examining the fact that the DNA or proteins or something in the antibodies you produce may help to prevent you getting COVID-19. Now, I don't know how true that is. That could be completely not. I, I, I had, to, I had to, two years ago, I had the flu twice in the one year, two bad doses. And I went down to my local doctor and I said, listen, can I have the... the the jab the following year and he says no he says for one he says i think you're too young and the second thing he says when we give you the flu jab we're basing it on last year's uh, that's right the four strains. strains from last year yeah yeah and he uh, says, have you can I, ask that, can I ask that chap um how old do you mind me asking how old you are 60 50 60 i'm a young 50 yeah you don't sound you don't sound 60 now I was talking to somebody 25 or 30. So you know? did I. Yeah, go yeah, on. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. And do you, have any, am, do, you, do, do you have any, one, do you have any fear of the virus? And two, do you have any responsibility that Absolutely. if you do pick it up, that you could pass it on to somebody who is more liable well, to it? As far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, that I probably have had it. And I, I didn't know about it. But no, I don't. I don't. I, I actually believe in God. And if God takes yeah. me, he takes me. And if that's the way he, he takes ah, me... Don't poo-poo him, Dermot. That's what he believes in. <laughs> I'm not yeah, poo-pooing him at all. I, I, never, I, I, I mean, I, I don't believe I in God, but if, he, but if Noel believes in that, should I have respect for the fact that he believes us? Yeah, I I never, thought, hang I thought, on, I never said a word. I never said a word. You went daft. I looked him. <laughs> like, I've, no, I've heard to be honest with you, if, I've, heard, I've, I've seen it on CNN, the guy on the beach, and he's surrounded there, and the whole idea is, my God, if God takes it's my time, I know, but if he doesn't, I'm fucking going to have a good time. And that's, that's a fantastic way to deal mm. with me. Well, wait, can I, wait, 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 no, cause sorry for interrupting, Dermot. <laughs> no, are you, are you a very religious person, yeah? Well, I wouldn't say I'm very religious, but I'm a because practicing, I, I'm yeah. a practicing Catholic, Okay, yeah. but, a, but yeah. if God created heaven, earth, and everything in between, and, and human beings, I'm, I'm assuming he created the virus as well. So well, listen, we, come, here, come here to me. If, if this, if this I, I reckon this could be a man-made thing. If there was a proper... Well, he made, like, he made the man that created us, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, fine, yeah, but if it was a proper, what you call it, a, like a biblical, a biblical, what you call it, a pandemic, you, to be honest with you, you wouldn't be able to bury the bodies quick enough. I will, in, I, in other words, there would be I, millions I, I will, dead. Yeah. I will agree with, I will agree with the, the other chap on one thing, and I'm fucking going to stick by this. I do not trust the Chinese as far as I throw them. I don't mean the Chinese population. No, the Chinese population. Yeah, the, the people involved, no. yes. Yeah. I watched a documentary on China, and China are so absolutely paranoid about power, about it being a superpower, about America and Russia and the whole lot. But there's no doubt they, they lied. No, and, and, I, and they, they don't put, I would not put it past China to release, a, to, 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 they have this virus in, a, virus in a controlled environment in this lab, this famous lab in Wuhan. And they released it. Somebody gave the gave the go ahead. I know you might say, "Well, why would they do it?" And why? Well, would they do well that? There, there, there is theories out there on that. I mean, and we, I mm. don't. Do you know what? I think we will never ever find out if it came from a wet market from a bat or if it came from a lab in Wuhan. I mean, there are. You know, I know there has been suggestions in America uh, that the FBI were investigating it and all sorts of things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but but again, I don't think we'll ever really get the answer. And the problem as well as was that the WHO believed everything the Chinese told them initially at the start, and the WHO put out the information that it's not spread human to human and all that. So the WHO have a lot of questions to answer. Donald Trump, in fairness, did ask them all those questions. They refused to answer them. That's why he cut the funding. But Simon Harrison Absolutely. and, and, and uh, Leo are kind of, you know, over there licking you nowhere. 
And the, and the obvious, the obvious, the obvious elephant in the room at this one, the Chinese didn't have suddenly have wet markets in 2019. They probably had them for hundreds of years. It's the way that yeah. population live. So why did this virus suddenly... Well, um, well, it's not just this virus. In fairness, most viruses come out of China, with the exception of MERS, which come out of the Middle East. So, yeah. I mean, so they have had virus. I mean, SARS and every, the swine flu and every other virus came from there too. Sorry, no, go ahead, yeah. There was one thing that, that, that was interesting at the very start in January and February, when you've seen some of the things that were coming out of China, which would make you think, is it the same? Is it the same strain? Because you could see people actually falling down in the streets and falling, falling over, like, you know, uh, in the street. Now, you know, if you have a cold, like a virus like that, it's like a clue virus, you, you wouldn't be going out. So no, I, I, I see those videos that were going around, this is what confuses me. I remember at the very start, before we kind of did lockdowns and even got worried about yeah, it, yeah. there was videos going around of people lying on streets and people walking past them dead. and That's people, right, yeah. And... and they only had, whatever, 3,000 deaths in China in a population of 1.2 billion people, right? Uh, which is really, really small, right? You yeah. know, we, we've had 1,600 deaths in this country, uh, a little over that. America have had uh, 100,000, obviously, because of the size of their population. Um, and yet, there was nobody falling down, dying on the streets. That's so I don't know what happened in China or where those videos came from, unless those videos were all fake. But Absolutely. the only thing is, there's, there's, one, I mean? thing, there's one thing as well is that if there is reports that there's a that the, the uh, there's a one and a half million um, mobile phone accounts cancelled. So where did they go to? Are they well, well, there has been suggestions that up to forty or fifty thousand could have died in China. We just weren't told the truth, and we never will find out. Listen, Dermot, thank you very much indeed. Noel, I appreciate you coming on the air as well. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.